Good morning, and welcome to A Penny for Your Thoughts with Brian Barnhart on News Talk 1400 WDWS. For over 60 years, East Central Illinois' daily gathering spot for conversation, dialogue, and ideas. You can join out on the phone, online, or via text. Our phone number is 217-356-9397. Email talk at WDWS.com or text us on the Castle Heating and Cooling text line, 217-351-5357. Filling in for Brian this morning is Scott Beatty. And a pleasant good morning to you. It's Wednesday, June 20th, 2018. I am Scott Beatty, and so glad to be along with you. We're taking you till 11 o'clock. It's a penny for your thoughts, and if you're new to the program, what we do here is basically do the talk of the day, and in between have uh, some guests on, but as always, uh, you are the primary star here on uh, Penny for Your Thoughts, whether you want to weigh in with your phone calls, your tweets, you can tweet at me, at Scott underscore Beatty. You can also text us. A phone number you heard Gene say, 356-9397, Castle Heating and Cooling text line, is 3515357. We have a fairly packed show for you here. A couple of minutes here to start things off with an open line if you have anything you want to get off uh, your chest here in the uh, early going. But in a little bit, Barry Hauser is going to check in with us, one of the director of bands from the University of Illinois. Their summer band concert is tomorrow night on the quad. So getting a little preview on that. Also want to ask him about uh, upcoming plans for the marching Illini, which he heads up. And uh, the uh, band reunion, they're having a band reunion this weekend as well. So we'll talk with him for a few minutes about that. In the second half hour here at 9.30 after the news, Aldo Toledo will uh, join us here in studio, one of the reporters for News Gazette Media. And he uh, got a chance to talk to a couple of area congressmen yesterday about the this immigration debate that is going on and uh, what policies may need to be changed and their take on it. So we'll hear from him about that. And also, Aldo himself is an immigrant. He was born in Venezuela and came here with his family seeking political asylum via Texas. And we'll hear a little bit of his story and his perspective on all that uh, as an immigrant. And then in the 10 o'clock hour, we'll do some open line. And at 10.30, Craig Rost will join us. He's uh, heading out from the Champaign County Economic Development Corporation, a mouthful, but that is the Champaign County EDC. And he took over a few years ago when the corporation really needed something, uh, needed a boost. It was uh, having some struggles. And we'll get his thoughts on, on all that. So that's a full show, I think, and uh, Ed Bond is here as well, making sure everything is humming along. So appreciate that, Mr. Bond. Brian is back next week on Monday after a week of vacation. 356-9397 is the phone number, and first up this morning is Greg. Good morning, Greg. Good morning, Scott. Um, yeah, I just want to chime in on the, the immigration thing. Uh what I don't understand is uh, a lot of these people are coming from South America all the way up through Mexico to get to our border. And at the end, we're the ones, uh, you know, uh, standing around scratching our heads, wondering what to do with these people. Well, uh, and, and I don't understand why 
we it's on us. Uh, these Mexico should be dealing with these people. Mexico should be processing them. Mexico should be sending them back home when they need to be sent home. Uh, it's almost like uh, Mexico's kind of uh, enabling this whole crisis. And uh, I think instead of us being responsible for all this, uh, it, we need to put the emphasis on Mexico to do their part. Uh, and, uh, I, you know, I feel bad about the kids being separated, but every day kids are separated from their, their parents in this country when we go to war or when a undercover police officer goes on assignment. Uh, you know, I mean, these things happen all the time, and it is sad, okay? But uh, I, I don't think that it should be used as a political chip uh, when this problem has existed for 30 years. Uh, the former president's wife, she she liked to chime in and, and you know, throw mud on, on our current president, but her husband had his shot. He had eight years to do something, and he didn't do it. The Democrats and Republicans have been playing football with this issue for years, and I'm sorry that we finally have a president who's actually going to try to do something about it. Actually, I'm not sorry. I don't apologize for anything. I'm proud to be an American. And that's all I got to say. Thank you. All right. Thanks, Greg. You do raise an interesting question is how what are what happens along the journey? I don't know. Uh, you're obviously some of these folks are crossing through uh, different borders. And I don't know what happens along the way there that and that they can make their way to the U.S. Uh, but I do think, you know, why why are folks coming here? Well, that there's obviously an attraction to coming to the United States, a sense of opportunity or freedom that they that people feel isn't afforded to them where they are or uh, the waypoints along the way. So that's uh, part of what it is here in the United States. Um, thanks for weighing in. We are off and running here on a penny for your thoughts. Barry Hauser, one of the directors of Vans from the University of Illinois, is here. We'll chat with him. A little bit of lighter fare here to get us going as they have a summer band concert tomorrow night on the quad. I highly recommend it. I'm saying that, of course, as one who used to be in that summer band. But glad to have Barry here. We'll check in with him, hear a little bit of music as well, and then carry on more with a penny for your thoughts the rest of today. Back in a moment with Barry Hauser. 74 degrees, 9.15. It's a penny for your thoughts. Scott Beatty in for Brian Barnhart. We're taking you till 11 o'clock. We'll get back to some open line a little bit uh, later on in the program, but so thrilled to have Barry Hauser here, Dr. Barry Hauser in with us. A director of Marching Illini is kind of probably your, your calling card there, but you, you direct a lot of things as well at the University of Illinois including Summer Band, which is performing tomorrow night. So thanks for stopping in. Absolutely. Thanks for having me, and great to be on the show. The 108th, 108th Summer Band. You are correct. And um, what's interesting, in terms of that history, we often have said, and I've done the same thing, Scott, to where we've said it's the 108th Summer Band. So what I've learned is the 108th Twilight Concert, so the season of Twilight Concerts, I guess in the past, some of those weren't necessarily done by the Summer Band okay. uh, before that was created. But um, again, the 108th season of uh, the Twilight Concert and kind of the first event that we have for the 150th anniversary of Illinois Bands, which is going 
going to kick off the uh, sesquicentennial year uh, for Illinois bands. You know, we just finished just finishing the sesquicentennial for the University of Illinois. The bands were on campus uh, about that same time. So uh, we kind of delayed our celebration slightly so we didn't interfere with the university. <laughs> and we just get to continue to have a party for the next year. So we're looking very forward to that. <laughs> I, I grew up in the Chicago area and my parents played in a city municipal band and every thursday night there was a concert in central park in naperville yeah that's what i grew up as a kid these are some of my earliest memories and um was going to a band concert on a thursday night in summer and it just sort of marked my summer i really loved it yeah uh so this kind of is cool you know and, and i played in the summer band a absolutely. few years ago before absolutely. i had two we little lo- yeah, yeah. <laughs> we love having kids. you in there too yeah. <laughs> uh but yeah it's just a a great summertime thing to do it is. And, you know, it's kind of a unique thing because you not only have the history and tradition of, of the Twilight concerts, but also just how welcoming and relaxed the atmosphere is. Uh, you know, I think a lot of, I know I talk with my wife about this with having young kids as well, and we often look at the formal setting of a regular concert of where you would go into Cranard and so forth, and there's all these expectations. It's awesome with the summer band concerts because you're right there in the quad. People bring their dogs. They ride their bikes. They bring food. Uh, it's very relaxed. People are running around. Uh, of course, enjoying the music, but also just taking in the sights and sounds of what's taking place around them on campus. So it's really a fantastic atmosphere. And it really does uh, speak back to a time in American history where that was sort of an event, that type yeah. of thing. I mean, it was a piece of Americana. The town band was sort of the entertainment for yeah. everybody. Yeah, and that's, I think, kind of the unique thing in this day and age to where uh, to see people that still show up and kind of go back to the old days. Not that we completely unplug from our cell phones and all the other media that we're attached to, but it is quite amazing to, to go in and take in those sights and sounds from, from the old American traditions of that, that traveling band in terms of Sousa, uh, Goldman, Fillmore, or the town municipal, uh, municipal bands that would often be there and put on those weekly concerts. Uh, it's just kind of a, uh, a neat, neat slice of America that we still get to experience and take in. Yeah. And that was a way, too, for people to access the music of the day as as well, right? Yeah, yeah, because, I mean, you look at modern means of everything is so tangible in terms of going online and finding things. That was the way to really express and uh, communicate to the general public the new music that was out there or musical trends that were taking place as well. Barry Hauser is with us, one of the directors of bands for the University of Illinois and heads up the Marching Illini as well. Uh, you Is everything set? For MI at this point with football season, uh, what we're kickoff is in two and a half months. Yeah, and a, I can't think. Of I here, know but, it's uh, coming up quick. Do you try to have everything set by now, or do you still ha- are you still in planning stages? So you know, this is the the constant that I think a lot of a lot of folks often think that when football season is over, then it's just a complete vacation and break from everything. <laughs> everything everything is constantly ongoing. A lot of times we follow a very similar path to our athletic colleagues. So uh, using football for example, you're you're always recruiting. So we're always recruiting in terms of shows and things like that. That, you're looking at uh, historical uh, celebrations, anniversaries, obviously with, the, with this being the band's 150th, we're going to do a lot of throwbacks of some things that represent the uh, old era of Harding, Hinesley, uh, when Everett Kiss- Kissinger was there. Uh, you know, many of us know that we are home to many of the first, the first halftime show mm-hmm. and things like that. So we're going to recreate some of those things, but also look towards the future of what are we going to be celebrating well into the future. So a lot of things 
things are set, yes, but there's things that are constantly changing and evolving. Um, if there's some major event that happens between now and, you know, one of the games, uh, that's something we'll take a look at. And not that we are, are endorsing a certain team or whatnot, but, you know, when the Cubs won the World Series, we, <laughs> boy, we took a curve. We all took a curveball right there. And, wow, okay, this is happening. And so we made um, a quick change in our programming for that week to, to celebrate that, that victory. Now, I don't know if you heard the news this week, but the president... <laughs> wants to create and is authorizing the creation of a space force. <laughs> yes. A sixth branch of the military. Now yes. there's this armed forces medley. There's five branches. There's five, there's five branches. marches. What are you gonna do if yeah. there's a space force? Well and you know it's it's interesting because uh there's there's also military branch bands that go along with each of those. <laughs> so it's been um kind of the the chuckle of the week that if this happens you know, when are we going to start the Space Force band and get that on the road as well? And so, you know, there's a lot of people that are very interested in that. <laughs> and so, of course, people are joking a little bit about it, but I think a lot of them are very serious at the same time. You got to so, write a march. Yeah. You got to ha- have a band stationed <laughs> right. on the moon, right? Know, and it will certainly, well, it'll definitely affect that Armed Forces medley. We'll have to get that sixth uh, yeah. one added in. <laughs> yeah, it just take Star Wars. You know, that's <laughs> right. What's right. <laughs> right. Absolutely. That, uh, that'll be cool. So, um, everything's under wraps, though, still for marching Alana. Season in terms of shows, there's okay. So there's some things that we're gonna do to um, homecoming is kind of it's not necessarily under wraps. Um, we've got representatives from each era coming to help us celebrate. So um, we're gonna play music from all the eight eras uh, that were under. I'm the eighth director of the Marching Alliance since the inception of 1868 when bands began, and so um, there's that that whole musical medley is gonna incorporate music from those different time periods, and we have family members or the actual directors uh, that served in the Marching Alliance capacity coming back for that oh, for that, that game. So that's gonna be really great. Oh, that'll be pretty. Well, I'll bring back some memories for me when yes. I was when I was in it. Yes, too. absolutely. Uh, <laughs> Also, the tower is up, the teaching yeah. tower for the practice field, which is right off First Street next to yeah. all the other kind of intramural fields, which looks really slick, but it's... I haven't driven by it, actually, in a, in a few weeks. Is it painted yet? It is all painted. It is all painted. Everything is good to go. Um, we're getting some of the names inscribed on the plaques that will be out there. Uh, there'll be a couple flagpoles right next to the tower as well, flying the orange and blue, of course. Uh, so it's really going to be a great, great marked area. And for those that donated to that, mm-hmm. uh, they're going to be recognized in a very unique way. So uh, we're very excited, of course, working with the campus officials on that and, of course, our partners in Campus and housing. They've been intricate and very integral in um, putting all this together in terms of the practice field, the tower. Uh, you know, as you know, we the Marching Alina used to travel four or five every years. You'd be on a different field mm-hmm. from the Assembly Hall parking lot to the west side of Memorial Stadium, the South Quad. Um, we've been all over the place. So this is really nice that we, we have a true space to rehearse. Yeah, and, and many of those places eventually became parking lots. Yes, yes, exactly. <laughs> Instead of green space. <laughs> I know. And I was like, oh, what? what? Uh, what is this? But yeah, the university, the DIA has shown a real commitment to yes. the value of the band. They which have is, been fantastic. Which is great. You know, and obviously... Yeah. Yeah, I've got my colors out of my sleeve here with all that, so I'm I'm really appreciative of that. Yeah. Um, then uh, this weekend, you guys have a big event as well with a, a band's reunion. Yeah, yeah, we're really excited about that. So again, we have a number of um, former director of bands coming back um, for that, and we have about 110 alums coming back to play in that alumni band weekend Friday and Saturday. That's going to be on the concert band side of things. Uh, so there's a concert that's on Saturday that's free and open to the public. So if you don't have anything going on Saturday, and by the looks of it, it looks like we're going to have a pretty rainy forecast once 
once again. Mm-hmm. So it may be a good idea to catch something inside. But that's going to be in the Cranert Center in the Great Hall. And again, you don't need tickets for it. We we definitely invite the public to come out to that. That's at 730. But it's going to be a really great weekend of bringing back some great music from, from the variety of different eras again. So a lot of folks coming in and uh, throwing together, rehearse and go. Is that yeah. how it is? Yeah, they're going to rehearse Friday evening, um, a little bit on Saturday. They've got a luncheon that they're going to have in the Alumni Association uh, Saturday for lunch. And then uh, one last dress rehearsal and 730 is the go time for them. So a couple of options here to listen to good music tomorrow night, the Summer Quad concert uh, that is at 7 o'clock. 7 o'clock. Downbeat on the quad. And then Saturday night is the reunion concert for the University of Illinois bands. We're with Barry Hauser. All right, one of the pieces on the program tomorrow night is Pride of the Illini. Uh, I'll let you set it up. We'll listen to a bit. Yeah, Pride of the Illini is a great march composed by Carl King and written specifically for the University of Illinois. Uh, It is one of three components for the incomparable three of one as well. It's the first thing that we start off with. So wonderful march, Carl King, Pride of the Illini. So what's cool about... Here it is.
Pride of the Illini, Carl King. You'll hear it tomorrow night a bunch. Uh, you want to tease any other things that will be on the program? Yeah, um, there's a piece by Alfred Reed, Armenian Dances, Part <sighs> 1. Uh, so we're going to be doing that. Children's March, Percy Granger, and then, of course, all of the Illinois favorites of Illinois Loyalty, Illinois March. Um, entrance number three, which was one of four entrances the Marching Illini used to use. We now play Revise Entrance Number 3, the very first note of pregame that we play. Uh, so this is going to be the old version of that. We're doing the original version of Oscar. Wow Wow, uh, which is very different than what we hear at football games today. So some great Illinois tunes, a great deal of history, and a great celebration of the Illinois bands kicking off tomorrow night. All right. We'll really appreciate it. And you got your youngsters in tow. This is prime dad time here <laughs> yeah. in the summer. So we appreciate you um, making a little time with us. Of course. Well, thanks for the time once again. And we hope to see uh, everybody at least one of the two concerts that we have coming up. I should ask, too, because uh, there is, dare I say, a chance for some rain tomorrow night yes smith hall yeah uh, so smith is offline but oh. right there on the quad follinger auditorium we're going to actually go back to the old historical days if we have any rain this is where the concerts used to take place anyway for the regular band concerts so follinger auditorium will be um, our rain backup and we'll announce that on social media uh we have to make that call pretty soon uh in terms of the day so about 12 to 1 o'clock p.m we'll know if we've made that move or not and of course we'll get word out to everybody and yeah Give us a heads up, too. We'll we'll get it out to you. We'll get it out as well. All right. Thanks a lot, Barry. Thank you again, Scott. Appreciate it. Barry Hauser here with us, director of the Marching Illini and one of the directors for Illinois Band's summer band concert tomorrow night, 7 o'clock on the quad. Local news in a moment, and we'll shift gears. Aldo Toledo will join us after the news. 9.37, it's a penny for your thoughts. I'm Scott Beatty, filling in for Brian Barnhart, and glad to be with you here Go until 11 o'clock. It's hump day, midweek here. Been a bit of a heavy week. We're going to dive into some of this heaviness again here with the immigration issues that are going on. News Gazette media reporter Aldo Toledo is with us. You've heard his voice a bit, too, on newscasts from time to time. Aldo, welcome in. Thank you. How are you? Aldo, again, for by way of reminder, short for Aldoberto. Adalberto. Adalberto. Yeah, it's, it's strange, but, you know. Is it strange for you? No, or just I mean, strange to just a, you know strange people like to me, people like you, right? Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of people look at me and say that's strange, but that's a whole different yeah, that's conversation. a whole different conversation. <laughs> yeah, uh, so let's start with uh, top of the news Gazette today. Uh, your uh, article, you talked to a couple of area congressmen and Rodney Davis and John Shimkus to get their takes. What's the vibe you're getting from the Republican congressman here as this immigration debate rages on? Well, um, if I can quote from my article here, you know. Uh, no, don't. Don't quote it. You know, just just make things up. No, I'm just kidding. With you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, so Shimkus is basically saying that, you know, separating families seeking asylum is upsetting and not necessary. Um, and it's an unfortunate result of our broken immigration system and unsecured borders. So he's sort of calling out to a lot of the, quote, loopholes that the Trump administration and other Republicans have um, talked about. That, the, that exists that are allowing uh, immigrants to come to this country in different ways or, um, you know, allowing the uh, administration and police in general to actually detain uh, some of these uh, immigrant children uh, and separate them from their families, which is what uh, sort of the outcry is about. And uh, the general idea from both congressmen was that they want the Democrats to go um, in Congress and help them get to a point where they can pass uh immigration reform um, as a sort of step to get to that point. Um, and right now, what they're wanting to do is basically have a 
reform proposal that would take away the ability of law enforcement to put children away um, from their parents. Um, and I think uh, some other bills, one that uh, Senator John Cornyn um, from Texas has proposed is actually um, going to include a provision that would um, increase the number of federal judges because there are a lot of federal judgeships that are still vacant. So it would hire about 5,000 to 6,000 judges, um, which Trump, I think, said was uh, ridiculous. And he's sort of against that uh, provision in that uh, bill and really is against most of the bills that I've, from what I can understand from reading, um, is are also not you know, to his liking. Aldo Toledo is with us. What's uh, been interesting is the rhetoric and all the sides that's coming out. Republicans are saying if Democrats come and pass a law and work with us, we'll take care of this. Uh, some members of both parties are saying, well, the Trump administration and the Department of Justice can just simply walk back the policy or not enforce it uh, to the letter of the policy with, with separating children. Then there's a lot of sort of moving pieces to this whole thing and then you have I don't want to say it's a universal outcry but it, it seems to me that there's a, a lot uh, on both sides that are saying hey regardless of the policy you have regarding immigrants coming into your country if somebody comes in illegally with children let's not separate them from their families right. unless there is a clear reason to do so like you suspect the children are actually being trafficked or being harmed yeah I think that you're mentioning what um Senator or Congressman Davis said uh, in his quote, um, he said that we cannot ignore the fact that many children coming over may not be with adults who are their parents and that trafficking is a problem. Um, that whether or not that's that's true, uh, that's sort of, a, I think, a way for the congressman to um, look at the situation from a broad perspective, I guess. Um, but whether or not it's as big of a problem as, as child separation is sort of dubious and people can decide about that. Um, but what really has been happening here is a is a problem with the immigration system in general in this country that Republicans and Democrats have found out about. Whether uh, And Republicans want to do something with it and Democrats want to do something else with it. But I think what's clear to a lot of people is that this is a system that needs some kind of reform, that needs some kind of uh, system where we don't separate children from families and a system that maybe Democrats say allow more people into this country, have a better way to to get them into this country legally. And some Republicans are saying, well, uh, I want it to be sort of harder. I want the best people sort of. I think uh, President Trump has talked about wanting people to pass uh, some sort of test of eligibility, I guess, to, for uh, a citizenship process. Uh, you know, getting the best of the best from from the countries that that are coming the, from the people who who are coming from other countries here. I'd like to, in a moment, hear a little bit of your perspective uh, from just as an immigrant yourself, because you were born in Venezuela and you came here with your family seeking political asylum, right? right. So I want to get a little bit into that, just to hear a perspective on what it's like to become an immigrant uh, to the United States, and then you also lived in Texas for much of your childhood as well. Yeah. And you're surrounded in communities full of immigrants who I'm sure have all kinds of stories as well. So I'm curious to hear your perspective on all that. We're going to step aside for just a moment and back on a penny for your thoughts.
What's the best-selling small tractor in America? Kubota's BX Series Subcompacts. No other subcompact tractors on the market have so much versatility designed to fit in your garage. And if you're looking to mow right now, a 54-inch mower deck is included. Get a BX1880 for as low as $99 a month with 0% APR financing for 84 months. Now through June 30th, 2018. See us or go to KubotaUSA.com for more information. Visit Berkey's Farm Store or GoKubota.com. On campus, there's a large parking lot next to a small building. But the small building is very important because inside you can purchase the freshest locally grown beef, pork, lamb, and eggs. Yes, we are the U of I College of Aces Meat Sales Room, open three days a week to provide you the finest meats. Stop by and see us Tuesday and Thursday afternoons, 1 to 5.30, and Friday mornings, 8 to 1. The U of I Meat Sales Room at the corner of Florida Avenue and Maryland Drive in Urbana. For more information, send an email to meatandeggsale at illinois.edu. If your garbage bill is higher than you'd like, or you want to start recycling but think it's too complicated, please consider ABC Sanitary Hauling and Recycling. Located in Champaign, ABC has been family-owned and operated since 1973. Along with the collection of garbage and yard waste, they recycle more than 25 different items, helping you lower your garbage bill and save you money. ABC Sanitary serves all the Champaign County area, so contact them at 356-0909 or visit abcsanitary.com. Now at NewsGazette.com, our weekly college basketball podcast, Inside Illini Basketball, with beat writer Scott Ritchie. Heading for your thoughts here on this Wednesday, Scott Beatty in for Brian Barnhart, visiting with Aldo Toledo, News Gazette media reporter. He's been looking into this immigration issue from a local angle in particular with how uh, uh, federal lawmakers are reacting to what's going on. And the latest headlines are suggesting that the House will vote on the immigration bill tomorrow. But Aldo Toledo also is an immigrant himself from the country of Venezuela. Uh, By way of background, just fill us in a bit on your your life journey here. Yeah, so I came to this country when I was uh, eight years old in 2004, I believe. And it was sort of interesting because I I can't really think of a lot of people who do it. Well, when I lived in Texas, a lot of the immigrants that I was near were Mexican immigrants or immigrants from Central America. And uh, their experiences were always very different. Mine was that my dad suddenly left in, I think, November of 2003 and went to the United States and said, and my parents basically told me, he's going there to sort of, I guess, have a beachhead for us to eventually get to uh, live in the United States. Uh, So for, I think it was about six months, um, my dad was here in the United States and I was with my mom sort of packing up the house and and doing that kind of stuff. Um, But the intention was always to um, seek asylum. And the reason for that is because my dad worked for the National Oil Company of Venezuela, which is PDVSA. And uh, in 2002, uh, President Hugo Chavez at the time uh, fired about two, 20,000 workers from that company and um, for political reasons and wanted to sort of get his people in, in there. Um, and my dad was one of those 20,000 people. And because of that, he was very, it was very difficult for him to find a job and eventually got to the point where he was um, being threatened and uh, his family was being threatened. So I was being threatened as an eight-year-old. Um, and he saw... Did, did, were you very aware of those threats? Um, not really. I think they were very good at, at sort of hiding that stuff from me. And it was a lot of, um, 
that's why I say I'm very, very fortunate a lot of the time because my experience immigrating wasn't traumatic in any way. Mm-hmm. Um, and wh- whereas it is for a lot of other people. Yeah. Um, but uh, what happened was basically my um, dad eventually got us over here. But we had to sort of figure out a way to get out of Venezuela by telling them that we were going on vacation or what have you. Um, and so we, we got through sort of that part of it. And basically, a lot of what people do is they overstay their visas, as we did. And eventually, what you're allowed to do for, with, um, through international law and through American law is seek asylum. Uh, if you have the right grievances, uh, incredible grievances, then you can say to the government, I want to live here because I'm being threatened and um, I don't want to live in my country anymore. And so that process begins. And I, what I remember is being in Florida and every once in a while having to go to the um, to DHS. So DHS has always been sort of in the back of my head forever. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, a it's lot a of relatively th- new department, but for you, it's been it's been literally your life. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Um, and this was an institution that I'd known for forever and I'd been dealing with for I think I dealt with it for 13 years. So it was a lot of you know going to their office and and fingerprinting or or doing something filling out some kind of form being with my parents through all of it and you know i basically lived as an american from the moment i got to this country until now and uh basically learned english and and did everything that that you do you go to middle school and you go to high school graduate you go to college um and i think it was when i was a sophomore in college that i actually finally got my citizenship and it was sort of very strange for me because I already sort of considered myself huh. one. It was a, a lot of like a formality, I guess, to me um, because I already felt like I was a citizen, that I was already an active citizen of society. So for your family coming here, you know, a couple of the points that have been brought up uh, on this show in the last couple of days is why do you have to come here? And, you know, so what is the attraction to trying to make it into the United States versus, you know, hey, we're going to go to Brazil or we're going to go to Colombia or we're going to go to Mexico and find work there. Well, a lot of Venezuelans are also having that issue now. A lot of the time, the people who came to this country from Venezuela in the early 2000s after Chavez's government took power came because they had some kind of connection to the United States. My dad went to Youngstown University in Ohio, so he had... A connection to the United States. He learned English here. He had a degree from here. And so he knew that if he, you know, having a degree from this country is already. Uh, That's a leg you're up. Already, exactly. You're a leg up from a lot of other people. But what's happening now is that a lot of people are so uh, frantic and, and wanting to get out so badly that you're seeing a lot of people uh, immigrating to um, Colombia, Chile, Argentina, uh, Mexico, places like that that can sort of support a. Uh, an immigrant group, I guess, coming to their country. Um, and a lot of the time, uh, what happens too is that these people are taking low wage jobs and, and sort of living, even though they, they may have a, a doctorate in metallurgy or something, um, or have worked as a director of the national oil company. Um, they're working, uh, at McDonald's or, or some kind of empanada shop or something. Mm-hmm. Um, my dad was the same way. He actually, um, he is an engineer now as he was in Venezuela, but he at first walked at, uh, dollar, the, uh, the car rental place. Okay. Uh, so taking car, so, you know, whenever you, 
drive from my you fly into Miami and you want to go to Disney World and you take your car to Orlando, but you were flying out of Orlando, my dad would take the cars back from Orlando to Miami and sort of stuff like that. So, and eventually to got to the point where he slowly, slowly, slowly climbed up to um, doing more of what he does now. And now he's where he works at Hess Corporation um, in North Dakota. Yeah. So. That's a, and that's a major, that's a major oil. Company. Right. Exactly. Yeah. So, um, living in Texas, we're talking with Aldo Toledo, News Gazette media reporter here about his life journey. But you also lived in Mexico with a lot of folks uh, who have immigrated from various Latin American countries. When this debate rages here right now, you know, are, are there things you go, that's just, there are myths about th- this process that that you hear that you think people should know something different about? Right. Well, I think that um, the most recent one that I can think of is this idea that, um, you know, the people that are coming over the border are sort of illegally doing so, and they they are, technically, but they do have the right to seek asylum, as as my family did and as my dad did, um, and as a lot of other people currently at the border are trying to do. Um, So that's, you know, a a right that's allowed um, in this country and through international law. So some people would argue, okay, then do that at a port of entry um, as opposed to, I don't know, however they're crossing the river, however they're doing that. Um, is that an important point um, to understand? Like, hey, if you come in through a normal checkpoint and say, I'm here for political asylum, that's going to be fine. Are people just uninformed when they're doing that? Or are they running for their lives and just getting here however they can? Yeah, well, I think it's it sort of poses a logistical issue because you want them to come through a port of entry so that they can do it sort of formally and legally. Uh, but a lot of the time, um, you know, some of these people believe now, especially that, well, if I go to a port of entry, then, uh, you know, I'll be backlogged or I'll be um, sort of I won't get the opportunity to make it into this country. So l- what a lot of people say is, well, I have better chances just going into the country illegally because I know that I could do it, um, you know, if I pay somebody to get me across the border or something like that. Um and work here a little bit and sort of evade ICE forever than having to formally go through the process and spend something like 10 years and a lot of money to uh, become a formal citizen of the country. Um, so, and, and, you know, that has to do a lot with desperation. I mean, my family wasn't completely desperate. We had the ability to, you know, fly over here and get my dad got an apartment and it was tough for a little bit, but, you know, it wasn't my dad coming here with just what he had on his back, like a lot of people are doing. Uh, from the Mexico border. Um, and some of these people as well, um, has to be pointed out, are coming from, uh, you know, Central American countries like Honduras, Nicaragua, and um, and Guatemala, who are escaping violence and threats in that country and are sort of making their way through all of these countries, all the way through Mexico, to get to um, the American border. Um, and a lot of the time it's a, it's a decision of, do I want to go to a border patrol place and you know, get kicked back or do I want to take the chance and, you know, wade the Rio Grande and make it to America? Aldo Toledo here with us for a, a few minutes longer and making the trek. And I don't want to paint you as an, an immigration expert, um, you, you know, but if you let's say you're coming from one of the Central American countries, and you're crossing a couple of other borders on the way. What's happening there is. Is it just a free flow all the way to the U.S. border, or are you evading some checkpoints there, too? 
I, I assume that you'd be sort of evading some Mexican authorities. And they definitely have stepped up their security at their um, southern border, especially because of this issue. Um, but it is still relatively easy to make it through some of these countries. And eventually the first roadblock that you get is once you're getting closer and closer to the American border. And of course, there is the, the border fence and, and the border patrol at the, at the very end of that journey. Um, so, yeah. yeah. It, all right. Well, um, any final thoughts here as we're running up here on, on the clock? Um, you know, we, I, you shared your, a little bit of your journey and some of the at least one of the myths that uh, is surrounding this, but any other thoughts here as we wrap up? Yeah, I mean, I, I think a lot of people are sort of talking about, um, you know, looking at the ways that they can they can look at this situation, and there's a lot of emotion, of course, tied to it. Um, but I think that Democrats and Republicans agree at this point that something needs to be done about immigration. Whether or not they want to agree on what exactly they will do is a different issue. Um, but, and you have to sort of look as well at the, at the effort that Republicans are doing in Congress now to pass some sort of immigration reform, uh, at this point. And, you know, some Democrats are saying that they're sort of leveraging, um, what's happening down at the border with that, uh, situation. Um, and, you know, Republicans are saying that they just want to get something done. So it really is, again, just a, another fight, uh, in that sense of, you know, do we want, uh, I guess as a Democrat, do we want to, um, you know, have immigration reform that has things that we don't want because we don't want to have children be separated at the border? And then Republicans are saying, well, you know, we, the president is a law and, law and order president and we have to abide by the law. And Aldo, appreciate you stopping by. You can follow Aldo on Twitter, by the way, at aldot29. And, of course, read him in the News Gazette and hear him here on DWS. Aldo, thanks much. Yeah, thank you. Back in just a moment. Penny, for your thoughts on the other side of the news, we have an open line. We'll take that to the bottom of the hour so you can weigh in on this immigration discussion or anything else. And then Craig Rost in from the Champaign County Economic Development Corporation at 1030. That's all coming up here in the second hour of A Penny for Your Thoughts. News Talk 1400, WDWS, Champaign-Urbana, a News Gazette media station. Here's the news. It's the second hour of A Penny for Your Thoughts with Brian Barnhart on News Talk 1400, WDWS. You can reach out to us on the phone at 217-356-9397. Email talk at WDWS.com or text on the Castle Heating and Cooling text line 217-351-5357. Filling in for Brian this morning is Scott Beatty. And welcome back, everybody, to a penny for your thoughts. Second hour, we talked with Barry Hauser in the first hour from the Marching Alana and U of I Summer Band as well. They're performing tomorrow night. Second half hour, Aldo Toledo was in from News Gazette Media talking about the immigration issues. Got some time here for an open line before we chat with Craig Rost in the second half hour of this hour here till 11 o'clock. Tomorrow on the program, uh, open line, and then Stephen Bentz from the Virginia Theater. We'll look at the Virginia Theater season a little bit, and we'll talk some movies and films with Luke Boyce from Shatter Glass Films and route a little early tomorrow at 10.30 for Busey Money Talk. 
Glad to have you chiming in here this morning. You heard the numbers, 356-9397 to call. Castle Heat and Cooling text line is 351-5357. Open line here. Let's go to Ted. Good morning, Ted. Good morning. Um, I know it's your program. You put on who you want. I got a kick out of how he justified going to an illegal port of entry to come into America. He was full-blown liberal, from my opinion, and then again, it is your show, but my suggestion or my request is let's uh, bring the man on from Muhammad, whose wife was murdered on 74 uh, by an illegal alien, or let's bring on the roofer who called in a few weeks ago who can't get any work because of the uh, uh, Mexicans. Uh, let's bring, let's, let's have both sides of the story. The boat's full. There's too many people here majority of them who come over get on welfare right off the bat. It's full. I'm not racist. The liberals care no, no more about these Mexicans than they do the aborted fetuses 300,000 a year that they abort. Let's, let's call it what it is. And this latest thing, calling everybody a Nazi because you don't believe in what they say, it's just all a part of the resist movement. But I'll end with that. Let's let's. I'm sure the gentleman. Maybe I'm not sure. The gentleman from Muhammad. Let's bring him on and let's bring on the roofer and let's 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 go both sides of the story. That's all I request. All right. Thanks. I uh, I think we were trying to aim there for just a perspective as opposed to uh, opinion, and uh, I think what Aldo was offering there was some rationale for why people don't come through a port of entry. I don't think he was saying, you know, this is what should or shouldn't be, just trying to give you some perspective, and you can make an a form an opinion from there. Uh, I also think there is uh, plenty of uh, other sides, uh, other perspectives or opinions on this that are offered up uh, on our airwaves in our newspaper, and also this is a, a place for you to do so as well. So just by you calling in, Ted, offers a different viewpoint. All right, Anawal is next. Good morning, Anawal. Good morning, and I'm sorry to bother you all so much, but uh, the News Gazette and its editor just activates my mind, and I have to feel like it's my responsibility to express my opinion since you make it possible for us to do so. I am just terribly disappointed with the President of the United States and the Republican Party so far for justifying what's happening to these children and these immigrants who are being brought into the United States. Now, I can see that it could be problematic, but I cannot understand why anybody would want to remove a child from its parents just because of the parents' political beliefs. And that's what I have to say this morning. And uh, I want to thank the Reverend Florence Kaplow, who's the minister of the Unitarian Church, for her letter. I hope everybody reads it. And I hope everybody will read the letter by John Randolph and other commentary about the, these atrocities. So that's pretty much all I have to say. I love America. I voted Republican this year, but I hope the Republicans will stand up and be somebody and not concur with the atrocities 
that I've read about today. Thanks for calling, Anawal, as always. 356-9397. Phone lines are lighting up. Also, the Castle Heating and Cooling text line, 217 Texture says, the first caller of the second hour, that would be two callers ago, is a full-on white supremacist. Like he said, let's call it what it is. Labels are being thrown around here. Okay, Carol is next. Good morning, Carol. You're on. I just really have to voice my opinion. I find it ridiculous that we're so worried about these children who are brought here by their parents breaking the law and putting their children in this jeopardy. They're well taken care of. Look at the true pictures. Let's not forget all of our children here who have no parents because of the drugs brought in from all these countries. Let's not forget all the young children that are killed in Chicago. Look at last weekend. Where's the outcry for our citizens' children? That's all I'm asking. I think this whole thing is political. All right. Thank you, Carol. Reminder, if you do call in, please turn down your radio that's in the background. Next up is Greg on an open line. Greg, you're on. Uh, yeah, I just want to bring up the other untalked-about crisis going on, the uh, the poor children who are separated for the rest of their lives from their parents who were service members and went overseas and never came home, and uh, also the fallen police officers' children. And I don't remember the last time the media spent more than a few minutes reporting on any of this stuff. Uh, let alone two or three days or more uh, about the children, uh, our fallen soldiers, our fallen police officers. You know, I mean, uh, these children are separated for the rest of their lives from their parents. And we want to talk about trauma, okay? But, uh, I mean, I think it's sick that people are using those kids as a political chip. Uh, And people can blame Trump all they want. He's only been president for two years. Uh, Congress is more responsible to what, what, for what's going on than anybody else. Congress in the last three or four presidents. And that's all I got to say. Thank you. Thanks, Greg. I, I don't think uh, other separations of children from their parents uh, negates the sadness of this situation. I, I think it's sad any time that happens. In any situation, whatever the circumstance, but I don't think because it happens in other circumstances that means we shouldn't feel sympathy or compassion for this situation. Even if you feel that uh, the parents have made a poor choice, maybe you feel that way. Nonetheless, it's hard to see children separated from their parents. Brian, now on an open line, what's your take? Uh, well, the, my take is, oh, and, and hello, by the way, I hope you're doing well. Thank you. <laughs> Uh, my take, by the way, is the vast majority of these kids that are, quote, being separated by their parents aren't being separated by their, from their parents. A lot, of, In most cases, those people aren't their parents. How do you know that? And that's the director of the Department of Homeland Security, the, the one lady, Kirsten, she flat out said that. Most of those, and then you guys work for a news organization, news is that, how come you guys don't know that? The vast majority of those kids are not being separated from parents. They're being separated from um, adults that aren't related to. That's the problem. That's why those people are being incarcerated and being vetted because they kind of figure out what's going on. Plus, a lot of these kids are crossing the border without parents, without adults. They're just coming across. That, that's the horrible part. It's right there. 
everything the mainstream media, the news is that, all, you know, all the mainstream sources are publishing out there is not correct. I highly recommend you guys watch the news conferences with the Department of Homeland Security director and have her explain the situation. She is just quoting the fact most of these kids are not coming over with parents. And that also increases the chance for human smuggling, you know, human trafficking, because they'll kidnap kids as a cover, take them over and say, that's my kid, but it's not. Well, I, I wouldn't argue that that isn't happening. I did, I don't know that it's happening to the degree you're saying. And it seems to me lawmakers on both sides and the president are acknowledging that it's, uh, families are being separated. And in some cases there are, but the majority there is not. Like Once again, I highly recommend you guys watch the news conference of the Department of Homeland Security had. She laid out the facts on that. And other people have reported a lot of these kids, they're not with, they're not with family members. Oh, and Anna Wall Scott, my dear, these people are not being separated from families and people being incarcerated because of political views. That is not the case. We're having people coming over illegally. We have no idea who they are. And by the way, they're not vetted for STDs, other parasites, uh, measles, mumps, rubella. They're not vetted. So we're seeing an increase in certain kinds of diseases and parasites. All kinds of stuff is happening. this, This is a problem. That's the problem. And I highly disagree with that guy who was on earlier, uh, the guy from the Gazette saying, they're, well, they're afraid they'll get bounced if they come in from a port of entry. Well, these people are also coached that if they come in and just turn themselves over, they're going to get a court date, they'll, then they'll, they don't have to show up, and then they get every freebie they can get. They come over for the benefit. And I don't blame them because, I, I have to admit, life in their home countries are probably horrible. But we can't afford this. And like I said, I highly recommend you guys look at this. Everybody out there, watch the video of the interview or the news conference with the director of Homeland Security. She laid out the facts on that. Okay. Thanks, Brian. Open line here on a penny for your thoughts. And the immigration issue is obviously front and center. Richard is next. Hello, Richard. Yes, and I'm going to continue the theme of the previous caller. In fact, I'm going to chastise you for your... uh shall we say, lack of uh, knowledge of this matter. People who are coming into our uh, country on a second attempt after they've been deported are considered felons and must be incarcerated, and their children are separated from them by law, which was passed many years ago, and will be separated for a minimum uh, of, you know, maybe six months. It takes about six months to get these people processed. And 20 days after their parents are incarcerated, uh, by law, these children must be placed in a home. Uh, it may be a foster home. It may be the home of a, of a relative, a, a true relative, if that can be determined. But that is the principal uh, situation where children are being separated from their parents. Now, as the previous caller said, many of these children are brought in for various reasons, and uh, this is clearly a political issue. The, the uh, Democrats do not want to dwell on uh, what's happened through the previous administration and uh, messing with the Trump administration's attempt to get elected and Hillary and, uh, and on and on. But anyway, Scott? Get educated. Okay, thanks, Richard. 
Uh, also, step out of the wind there next time because it's a, a little bit loud uh, to hear you there. Ben is next on an open line. Hello, Ben. Hi, Scott. Thanks for taking my call. I'd like to uh, respond to the caller who's two callers ago well, on two points specifically. First, uh, he's encouraging everyone to uh, pay attention to Secretary Nielsen's words and, and believe them and take them, uh, take them with full truth. This is a woman who at various times has said that there is no policy. She said that there is a policy, but it's not supposed to be a deterrent. Other people in her in DHS have said that it, and in the administration have said explicitly it is supposed to be a deterrent. The story changes every day. So absolutely, we should be skeptical about what we're hearing from DHS and from ICE on this topic. The second thing is that that caller is encouraging people to seek the truth while he himself is going on to say that uh, once illegal immigrants who come here claiming asylum uh, come into the country and get released, that they are then signing up for every benefit they can get, that they're getting on welfare, that they don't come back for their court dates. Those facts are simply not true. Um, when you come in to the country um, and you do not have legal status, um, you are not able to access most federal benefits. You aren't able to get welfare. You aren't able to sign up for Medicaid. Um, mm-hmm. Additionally, even the people who are the staunchest immigration uh, opponents uh, admit that approximately 70% of people who are released and, and told to come back for a court date come back. Most credible numbers put it at 95 to 98%. But I'm saying even the people who, who, who say the number is the lowest say it's about 70%. So, so for a caller to come on and say, believe Secretary Nielsen when she has a pattern in practice of changing her story every day while he himself, while the caller himself simultaneously is not willing to engage with the facts himself. He's not a credible person. He shouldn't be listened to. He's, he's driven by his prejudice more than an actual um, desire to seek, seek facts and seek truth. Ben, thank you for contributing to this conversation. Thank you. It's an open line here on a penny for your thoughts. And uh, this is an important issue, obviously. And uh, lawmakers on both sides right now are... Uh, calling this upsetting and unnecessary. You can uh, read the comments from both Congressman Davis and Congressman Shimkus on the front page of the News Gazette today to see what their thoughts are on this uh, this situation that uh, continues to, well, the House may vote on it as soon as tomorrow, according to Speaker Paul Ryan. The news is next. On the other side of it, we'll look at Champaign County Economic Development Corporation. Craig Rost is uh, headed out. We'll get his thoughts on his time with it and what might be in the future here for our area. It's 1030. I'll look at local news here with Michael Kaiser and then Craig Ross from the Champaign County Economic Development Corporation. Here's the latest with Michael. Into the fourth quarter of A Penny for Your Thoughts, Scott Beatty here filling in for Brian Barnhart. Hope, Brian, wherever you are, you're having a good week of rest. Brian is back next week. Tomorrow on the program, we'll turn a little bit to the arts and film world. Stephen Bentz from Virginia Theater will be here. Also, Luke Boyce from Shatterglass Films. We'll do that 
as well as an open line. Right now, though, pleased to have here with us in studio Craig Rost. He is stepping down at the end of this month as the executive director of the Champaign County Economic Development Corporation. If I say that one more time, Craig, we're out of time. So hey, EDC. Yeah, EDC, right? Yeah, yeah. Don't be afraid to speak right there oh, on that okay. mic so we, so we hear you well. Um, congratulations on uh, coming to an end of your stint. You took over just a few years ago in 2014. And uh, it had some stuff to turn around within the EDC. Before we get into that, for folks that aren't familiar with what you do, can you fill us in? Because not only do we have the EDC, we also have uh, Visit Champaign County. You obviously have the development directors and planning directors of the cities around here. So what's kind of your angle uh, with the EDC? Well, the EDC is a county-based or county-wide economic development organization that's primary charge is just increasing the economy, growing the economy, which usually amounts to jobs, uh, new businesses, uh, retaining the businesses and industries we have here, growing the populations, working with the communities on some of the quality of life components. And that's our general responsibility. We're a not-for-profit, 501c6 not-for-profit, so we are we have a board made up of private and public um, uh, board members, and that's our essentially goals. The simple goal is to grow the economy. And what is your role then with, for example, the Chambers of Commerce or other organizations like that? I'd say we all work in partnership. We have slightly different ways of improving the economy. If you think about it, we, the Chamber, Visit Champaign County, all do that in a, in a way. So Visit Champaign County encourages tourism and visitation, which brings dollars in here. Chamber of Commerce creates positive working business relationships, which grows business in our community. Um, and then we work primarily in the in the employment side of it and some of the quality of life components to do the same thing. So we're all working together on the same bottom line goal, which is to grow the both population and the county. Overall, things seem to be good when you hear reports about this area. Champaign itself is one of the growing cities in, in Illinois. Uh, the metro area, when the employment numbers come out every month, seems to be one of the lowest in the state. Um, and that's not happening in some of the other, um, wh what do you want to call this metropolitan area, a smaller metro area or, you know? Yeah, I usually end up defaulting to just calling it the county, but yeah. it really is the, you know, the three big cities of Champaign-Urbana and Rantoul. University of Illinois is the population center, but then we have some high quality, smaller communities in the satellite around that. And we, we end up usually referring to Champaign County, but as you pointed out, it's the only county that's grown. Um, downstate Illinois, and uh, those those communities have grown in population, a lot of new housing, and uh, new business development. So we we feel really positive about that. Uh, okay, I imagine the University of Illinois is a big reason for that. By default, college towns seem to do better and are buffered somewhat from, you know, a uh, a blue collar town that will lose manufacturing or whatever. So I understand that. But what are the things you have to still work on? Because just because you have a university doesn't mean everything's going to go great. Right. I think the I would describe that as working on some of the sectors that we're best able to develop and and uh, and really attractive in, and that would be technology, um, medical now with the growth of the university, uh, Carl uh, Medical College. Uh, refined uh, technical construction kind of industries that support the, the technology businesses and then focusing on the quality of life. You've got to have active downtowns and reasons to be here and we attract a lot of people into the community. Our goal would be to have people come here and take um, tech jobs or professional jobs 
um, because this is a really good uh, region to do that in with a high quality of life and obviously a lower cost of living than Boston or, or San Francisco. <laughs> yeah, m- much lower. Uh, Craig Ross here from the Champaign EDC. When you came in in 2014, some things you had to turn around. What were they? What are you proud of what you did uh, with the EDC so far? Well, we did, um, you know, and I I guess I would say we had to do some, some changing in the size of our organization and the way we were funded and budgeted. We're a small business development center, so we use state grants to support that. Um, and we were we were not uh, operating that in the black, so we had to do a lot of the budget work there. Uh, we improved the quality of that operation, so we're known as a, one of the better SBDCs in the entire state now. We have an international trade office, uh, which is also recognized as, as very uh, superior in the state of Illinois. And then we did a lot of focusing the organization. What is it? We can do everything, so kind of like what I said before, working with the chamber and the the uh, the visit Champaign County and the communities themselves. What can we bring to the table that we're best able to to do? And so we did a lot of focusing of our efforts and not trying to be all things to all people. And a big part of that then was balancing the budget, getting the staff size and budget lined up so that we can run the organization in the black and and uh, have a future. So what do you see then as the strengths? What have you tried to zero in on with the EDC? Really, the relationships with the companies and and a, a lot of it centers around technology. I sound like a broken record. Technology and, <laughs> and uh, quality of life, which is to attract the people here and, and get more tech companies um, or more uh, professional firms here in the same sector of employment. You can't attract someone into a, into a job if they feel like it's the only job in the community or the region for them. You want to have competing companies, companies like Wolfram and others that provide um, software or design services. I'd like to have three or four of those companies so there's there's a job competition, which gives us depth in that uh, that sector of the the market. That's something we've spent a lot of time thinking about. Is it troubling then when, for example, one of the uh, the hobby uh, companies goes away? It is troubling. We got engaged with them immediately, and we helped them solve some of the the short term employment problems, help people find jobs that had been been displaced from their jobs, but. Um, that's an example where national trends and markets had shifted a lot. There wasn't any way that two hobby companies of the size that we had here would probably be around long term. So those kind of changes occur. And then when our goal is to try and make sure p- as many people are reemployed in our local businesses as they can be so we don't, don't end up people leaving town. You you actually are helping individuals or is it more working with companies to say, hey, go and look at this pool of applicants now? Both. We worked with, uh, in the case of Habico, we worked with them early on and said, we're here to help. What can we do? They had some uh, legal and process things to work through with the, you know, the, the, the potential sale of the company and the process of the legal processes of bankruptcy and things that they were dealing with. Uh, we had those conversations with them. And then at the point where they were ready to take steps, we worked with their employees to say, we can help you relocate to other jobs because we know the other employers. And at the same time, we turned to some of those other employers and said, hey, there's a workforce um, that's looking for employment. What do you need? And try to match make. And we had more than 30 people that were lined up with replacement jobs um, that meant they didn't have to leave the community, professional jobs. Let's talk development for a moment. Uh, First thing that jumps to my mind when you think about development here is the proposal for a convention and arena here in downtown Champaign. 
where what do you see as the benefit of that? Do you get involved with that at all? Because uh, the athletic director, Josh Whitman, has uh, said that this is very much going to have to be a public-private partnership. Well, he's right about that. The only way it could happen is a public-private partnership. Our largest funders and our board members that we uh, spend a lot of time planning our strategies and working with um, are the communities and the universities. So when, uh, for example, the city of Champaign University is working on this and Josh Whitman says this is the project we want to try to make happen, then we're about all about trying to make that happen. We try to avoid competing, you know, site against site or, or community against community, but it's pretty clear this is a path they want to go down, and it would be a game changer for both the overall county communities and and the city of Champaign if it came to the downtown. Would you like to see it here? Oh, yeah, it's a draw for people. So the more you can bring people in, you've seen what's happened in the downtowns, both of them, in the last uh, 20 years has been remarkable in bringing more people in. Um, and that's the key, essentially, just bringing more people, which brings in more business. And, you know, they follow the feet, essentially. So if you bring the people in, the, the, the retailers, the sporting events, all those kind of things just are a huge economic advantage. Craig Rost with us from Champaign County EDC, the Economic Development Corporation. Going to hang it up here in uh, a few weeks at the end of the month. You don't know who your successor is yet, do you? No, uh, the board is working on that, and I would expect an announcement um, maybe as soon as within the f- next few days, um, if not the next couple of days, early next week. But I'm anticipating that maybe even as soon as tomorrow. Uh, there'll be some information we obviously can't get out ahead of the board on that until until an announcement is ready to be made. Of course, if you could um, sort of put together an ideal type of candidate or uh, person to inherit this, what would be something you'd really want to see? Well, we put a lot of thought into that since we just ran the ad um, uh, for that position and interviewed candidates. It needs to be someone who can understand this community. It's a very complex place, many intergovernmental relationships. Uh, the university is a unique component. Uh, it's not, a, it's not a, a single entity city like a lot of our uh, central Illinois communities. So you really have to understand how that works, many moving parts as far as who is in charge and who needs to be um, uh, worked with more closely. And then, uh, obviously, professional, so the ability to go in and work with companies and, and on some of these projects, the kinds of things we're, we've been talking about, the, the experience there. The ability to go in and talk to a CEO about what the company needs and where they're headed and, and, uh, and act on that. Craig Rost with us from Champaign County EDC. Y- you mentioned projects. There's obviously going to be projects that are unfinished. Um, what, is there any that you're going, I wish I could have seen that come to completion? Well, there are a few of those. I think we've managed to see some really positive changes. Uh, the airport is exciting, and our organization and a larger group of community leaders have been working on development at the airport with the airport manager. Uh, a couple of years ago, the university began to turn over the airport responsibilities to a, a more independent management and less centralized university, and it's it's paying dividends. We've got a really good airport director. We had United Airlines come in and bring in um, six more flights. We've, so American and United both uh, fly up to Chicago and essentially around the world. So we're seeing um, increase in employments and development at the airport that I think is really important. I'd like to stay involved in projects, so that may be one of the things that I continue either as a citizen or in some other capacity working on projects like the airport. And uh, are we going to get a minor league baseball team? It's <laughs> just my personal hope. <laughs> I don't know. That's been uh, both baseball and uh, hockey have been considered in the past. 
this is an odd demographic. You look at the population and you think that may be a possibility, but it's relatively transient here, mm-hmm. and it's very university-based, and I don't know the answer to that question. It's, it's challenging. That's just a personal, uh, always been a personal hope because I, I love the sport of baseball and love to see as much here a, as possible. Um, your nature of your business, uh, your, your job, is planning for things that may not happen for 5, 10, even 15 years. Is that something you just embrace with the fact that you can't snap your fingers and see something happen? Yeah, it is. And I worked for in development as the deputy city manager for Champaign for years before this job. And you had to develop an ability to keep those long-range things in play and be patient enough to let them play out because others were spending their money or making those decisions. But at the same time, then get things done in the short range. So it's a balance of making sure we're progressing and at the same time laying the groundwork for bigger projects, uh, you know, that are outlying. And it, it takes an ability to have that, you know, the tolerance for the things that you have to wait for. But you have to lay the groundwork for those or they don't happen. The biggest things that you would like to see accomplished in the next three to five years, what would they be? And knowing that you won't have that role anymore. Well, I would like, if I added those up, I'd say, I'd go back to the airport. I'd say we have to have a strong airport to support the university, and we have a lot more of our community flying out of there. Yeah, and we and we had, we talked with Gene Cossey at the beginning of the week, and, you know, obviously United here, but would love to see an East Coast, East Coast flight, some vacation airlines. If uh, people keep using the airport, I think an East Coast li- flight will come in. I think, a, you know, eventually a Denver or some other destination could come in. Um, and we'll get an e- a leisure airline, which will fly to Florida or La- Las Vegas or somewhere. Um, but adding to my list of accomplishments, I think I'd put the big center downtown um, as a big one or getting the university center built, however that plays out, um, and then continuing to attract tech companies here. They're, we're on their radar, and we have to keep marketing ourselves as a place, you know, kind of a miniature Austin at this point. It's yeah. a place where you need to be, and we've got the employees, uh, so come here for the brain power. The university brain power is what, what brings them here. And Maybe we'll say keep Champaign-Urbana weird yeah. like they well, do in yeah, Austin. Yeah, kind of like Austin does. Or, <laughs> and, uh, yeah, and, and but we're maybe not we can't use weird because they do, but we can say fun or something like that because it's a, it's a unique place when it comes to all the food and, and fun that we've got going here. Indeed. Hey, congratulations on your run. Appreciate you spending some time with us, and uh, all the best in, in retirement. Um, come by and visit again. Thank you, Scott. It was a pleasure talking to you. Yeah, Craig Ross from the Champaign County Economic Development Corporation. It's a penny for your thoughts. We'll wrap things up in a moment. All right, happy birthday, Lionel Richie, 69 years old. That uh, iconic song, All Night Long. I still think of that Super Bowl commercial from the trading company where the two guys are sitting with him trying to get him to say the phrase all night long and keep saying, well, I can go all evening. I can go from sunset to to sunrise, but he won't say all night long. And it's just a funny commercial. I didn't, I enjoy it. Uh, thanks to the folks that have been a part of the program today. Barry Hauser was with us in the 9 o'clock hour U of I summer band concert tomorrow night, free on the quad, 7 o'clock. If it rains, they'll move it inside the Follinger Auditorium on the south end of the quad. And they also have a reunion band concert on Sunday, uh, Saturday evening at Cranert Center. That's also free, so a couple of good options for you to go hear some music. 
Reporter Aldo Toledo is with us in the first hour as well, looking at the immigration issue. We took a lot of calls on the immigration debate that is going on. We will do that again tomorrow with an open line in the morning at starting at 9 o'clock uh, on immigration or anything else that uh, you want to bring up. Also tomorrow, Shatterglass Films, uh, from Shatterglass Films, Luke Boyce, and uh, Stephen Benz is going to drop by from the Virginia Theater. Look at their upcoming season. Thanks to Ed Bond behind the scenes. Also, thanks Craig Ross from Champaign County Executive uh, Economic Development Corporation. This will be a podcast. If you missed any of that soon, at our website, WDWS.com. It's News Talk 1400, WDWS, Champaign-Urbana News Gazette Media Station. Here's the news.